Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, good afternoon to you. Welcome to Ausbiz. This is The Call. Ten companies picked by you, two expert guests, all over the course of one hour. On this Friday, the 3rd of December, I'm Nadine Blaney. And great to have you along if you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook as well. And our two guests here for the full hour today, Adam Dawes from Sean Partners, and via Skype, Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. It's going to be a great program. Adam, welcome. Nice to yeah. see you in the flesh. It's so good to be here. I'm really excited. Oh, well, that's good. Absolutely. What's exciting you out there in this Omicron virus world? Uh, well, there's there's lots going on at the moment, and certainly the market. Lots of mergers and acquisitions. Everybody's rushing to get everything through before December yeah. 15th, December 20th, when we really cut off and everybody else goes on holidays. So that's there's lots of activity there. And really just some really good earnings that we've seen, but just some ex- exciting companies that we're seeing at the moment, which are you know potentially looking forward into the new year, hoping to give us a little bit more growth going forward as well. So there's lots to unpack. Name one. Which one? Growth? Merger growth. Acquis- growth? Uh, well, I mean, look, there's certainly some good ones there. <laughs> uh, put me on the spot, but look, uh, Aussie Broadband uh, just did yeah. an acquisition over the wire the other day, got approved. I think this is a transformational one for the business. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in um, the one of the segments that okay. they, you guys want me to do, but I think that is a great growth story okay. going forward. We spoke with the CEO. It's up on our website if anybody's interested. There out there. Totally put Adam on the spot. It's only fair if I do that to Scott Phillips as well. <laughs> Scott, give us a company that you think is really interesting right now. This is this will be our bonus oh. buy segment. Call it that. Yeah, let's do it. Today, Adam. G'day. I, I had the advantage, of course, of being able to swat up quickly while Adam was put on the spot. So, mate, you got the, you got the raw end of that stick. Uh, I'm going to go with another A, and this company is Adairs. Speaking of both acquisitions yeah. and growth, um, their online business grew at 94% last year. Now, of course, it's a COVID benefit year for them, so it won't be that good in future. But more than a third of their sales are now online. When you think about Adairs, you think about the sleepy homewares shop you know, in a Westfield near you. That's still the true, and it's only growing at 4% or so physically. But the online sales are growing really quickly. They acquired Mocha and more recently Focus on Furniture. There is some acquisition risk, integration risk, uh, they went for a business that hadn't bought anything to a business that's bought a couple of other companies in the past, the past 12, 18 months. You've got to be a little bit careful on that one. It might come back to buy it, but super cheap uh, on a PE basis. I think it's still under 10 or maybe just over 10 now. Either way, just really, really inexpensive. Yep, the next 12 months might be a bit rocky. Trying to cycle on some really high comps in 2021, you were now. Uh, but once they get through that, I see no reason why they can't continue to grow for a long time to come. If those acquisitions do bed down, there's really good upside from that too. There you go. You're welcome, viewers. We are off to a great start. Now let's get to the stock of the day, and I think it's in keeping with Adam Dawes, M&A thematic, and that is CSL. Big news today, of course. Still speculation, but out with reports of a potential $10 billion acquisition and multi-billion dollar equity raise, the giant confirming today that it is in talks with an offshore party. 
with a final agreement potentially on the table within weeks, although the company went so far as to say that often they do these sorts of exploratory conversations, then it doesn't necessarily mean that it will result in a deal. So today in shares, uh, coming under a bit of pressure, down by 1.6%. Adam Dawes, I'll start with you yeah. when it comes to CSL because, yep. you know, it's stalwart in mm. many portfolios. Mm. It's been a long time since we've seen some sort of a big acquisition coming from CSL. So does yeah. this get you excited? It, well, $10 billion always gets anybody excited, oh, yeah. I think. Certainly, that's the first thing. Certainly the investment bankers. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The investment bankers, there's not many bank investment banks that can cover or underwrite a $10 billion raise. Now, it's going to be equity plus debt, so we need to be a little bit careful. It's probably going to be a $4 billion equity raise. But Bank America is probably the only one that can really go into that. In fact, then they probably have a consortium of bankers to sort of back it up as well. So that's the first thing. The second thing is with mergers and acquisitions coming into Christmas, there's not a lot of research. There's not a lot of stuff that's been written. CSL, obviously, we know a lot about. So this is a big one for these guys. And I think it's fantastic that CSL is trying to do this. We know that a lot of companies, especially the Australian companies, come out to the market and they try and go overseas and come back with their tail between their legs. But CSL, Sonic Healthcare, have been the ones that have actually been able to do it going forward. So uh, is it VIFOR? V- v- uh, v- how do you say that? Yeah, I'm not sure. All right, well, anyway. It's we'll from get... in Switzerland. In, there we go. The Swiss well, company. Not, yeah. The Swiss company uh, basically rocketed up 20% last night as well on the back of all of this sort of speculation. So CSL is trying to temper it down a little bit. Um, but it uh, makes drugs for kidney and iron deficiency. Uh, so it's quite an interesting in the area. Yeah. In, yeah, in the wheelhouse of what CSL does. So look, if, if anyone's going to be able to do it, CSL can. Obviously, a little bit of pressure on the stock today, and that's to be expected. But uh, a lot of water to go under the bridge before these guys can actually say, "Yes, we're going to we're going to take this business over." Today, trading at two hundred and ninety nine dollars and eighty three, just below that three hundred dollar mark. So, yeah. in keeping with the spirit of the program, is it a buy, hold, or sell? Look, I'm always really comfortable with CSL, and I think CSL is a fantastic business. So, I'm going to go out and say it's a buy, but with caution. We want to see how this is going to play out. Obviously, it's a $4 billion uh, raise of equity. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be done at a discount. Yeah. So potentially, you know, you buy half of what you are going to do now, but then wait for the cap raise or wait for that and then take up the rest of it in that cap raise. That's probably the strategy as of today. Thank you. How about uh, your view on CSL, Scott Phillips? Is it a given that this is a company that's going to continue to grow? Its share price will continue to grow along with it. Uh, you've got um, faith in management that they will be able to execute this acquisition if it does happen and then move forward with it. Yes, no, yes and yes, I think in order. Uh, four <laughs> questions then, but I'll, I'll do my best to try, try and wrap them up. I, look, management are great. This is a very high quality company. The long term performance has been astounding. Uh, $140 billion business. Uh, it, it's a really great Australian success story. My biggest question on CSL is the evergreen question, which is simply when you're this expensive and this big, can you add enough revenue? Can you add enough profit without, by the way, raising more capital? Otherwise, you're not really adding value. You're kind of just you know, grabbing new shares to, to make the deal done or to get the deal done. Can you really continue to grow at a fast enough rate? And think about the cheap dollar value of the growth. Every year you've got to raise billions of dollars of revenue just to, to you know get the growth you're looking for. And that gets harder and harder as compounding does every single year. When you're already this big, I'm not so sure. I don't think I want to pay 44 times for CSL. I just got to say, I wouldn't also sell it if I owned it. So I'm going to go right down the middle, fairway, straight down the fairway, call this one a hold. 
Um, you don't want you don't want to sell CSL too quickly. It's done a spectacular job of making my concerns look silly because they have delivered that sort of growth. Mm -hmm. They are justifying the PE. Investors still remain really confident. If they can keep doing it, then yeah, you're going to get some good gains. But how do you get market beating gains from here? Well, you either have to have more PE expansion or growth that exceeds yeah. the market average growth and keep that PE. That's a tough combination. A buy and a hold for stock of the day CSL. Let's get to the companies that our viewers have brought to the table, starting with. Adore Beauty for Lucille, ABY. Scott, I'll start with you on this one because IPO to Great Fanfare has not been a very good performer. Let's be honest, this year alone, mm. down 30%. The question, I suppose, being if you don't own Adore Beauty, do you think that this is a turnaround story, that this is a good price to get in? So firstly, I do own Adore Beauty. So uh, let me put that on the record. And the answer to your question, I think, is yes. I think this is a really good opportunity to buy shares. It listed at what was probably not the best opportunity. Uh, plenty of other online retailers have suffered over the past 12 months as investors recalibrated. They're kind of, I won't say post-COVID because we're not there quite yet, unfortunately, but they're living with COVID. They're post-panic sales, uh, back to normal, back out of lockdown sales. Um, and, and I think that's really been a, a case of the share price coming down from lofty expectations to more reasonable ones. That being said, the company still isn't profitable on a full year basis on an NPAT line. They are reinvesting for growth, but their growth's actually been really good for a long period of time. The, I got to say, when I first looked at this business and I got it pitched by Andrew Leggett from our business who said, look, you got to buy this thing. I was like, who's going to buy cosmetic skincare online? Why would you, yeah, literally, you're putting it on your face. You want to see it, you want to feel it, you want to touch it. I think that's true for some people. But if you think about the combination of second, third, fourth, and subsequent purchases, mm -hmm. you already know what you want. You can get online from a door. They deliver really well. They throw a Tim Tam in the packet. If you're keen, um, that's always a good thing. Um, so, you know, th there's plenty of reason why Adore will keep continuing to get customers. They do a wonderful job with their online um, social media work too. Uh, mm -hmm. Blogs, podcasts, social media. They're really creating a nice community around that. I don't think we should underestimate the value of brand loyalty and customer loyalty at a retail level. Um, you know, some people want to walk through DJs or Meyer or uh, and kind of be accosted by the cosmetic salespeople who should walk past. I was like, you know what? Let me just do it online. I know what I want. Or... I trust the people giving me advice, their call center or the community. I'll do it that way. The growth itself, I think, speaks for itself. Um, not a slam dunk necessarily, not making profit yet, harder to value, but not super expensive or super large. I think it'll grow into the valuation. So I like Adore Beauty. I said I own the shares. So that's uh, I I'm biased, but I, I bought them because I like it. And I bought them only relatively recently. Wow, bias. Both have a vested interest, perhaps, because, of course, Sean Partners, Adam, was co-lead manager for this IPO. I knew you were going IPO. to bring this Well, up. come on, everybody yes. out there knows it as well. Yes. Has not been a stellar performer since IPO. No. That's okay. So now the question is, if you did buy in at the IPO, do you yep. hold... Are there better times ahead? Uh, look, yes, uh, and potentially yes. So to go with Scotty's analogy there, yeah. So look, I, th I think overall, Adore, uh, first rule of thumb is never buy off private equity. And I, I, uh, I, I, I ruined that rule by going into this one because it was given to us by private equity. So that's obviously why the stock has now fallen and probably found a decent level around here. Some of the numbers are pretty envious for an online business. In the first quarter, returning customer growth is up 63%. First quarter, active customers, 874,000. Uh, Osbys would love those kind of numbers. Up 24% uh, 20, <laughs> a year. And revenue is 63.8 million, which is up about 25% on the year. Mm -hmm. So fantastic numbers. Is that translating into sales and revenue and to growth potentially? It has it there. 
what they've done is they've invested a lot in their last mile delivery business. So in other words, getting the cust- getting the product to the customers. I think that's really, really important because we're all got these supply chain issues and they're sort of working on that as well. And they've also got another lever of growth that they can pull where they're putting their own brand, Adore Beauty on the lipstick, Adore Beauty on the mascara and those kinds of things. Plus they've got a really good sex uh, wellness uh, section as well that does quite well. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of stuff in there that they do there. And as Scotty said, the marketing is fantastic as well. So for me, it is a buy because of where we are in the cycle, as well as some of those fantastic growth numbers. Plus also, I think customers have changed the way they do business or want to buy things. It's definitely online. But if you're on, if you're on there from the IPO, yes, hold on, because I think better times will be ahead. But it's a tough one because I've still got clients underwater and we're still holding. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get on to number two on the list, which is Nitro Software. Interesting, Adam. Yeah. NTO is the ticker code. This is for Gary. Hey, Gary. Um, I, I had a conversation about Nitro just this morning uh, yep. with Wick Fernwick from First Centier, who yeah. he, he loves this. He says that the shift away from paper has happened. It's never going to go back to the yep. same way it was before. And he sees really great va- value. You know, he sees good things ahead for the company. Yeah, so we've got a buy on it at Shore and Partners as well. So I'm going to stay with our rating or our tech guy who does our ratings. He's got a high risk on this one with a price target of four dollars fifteen. Certainly, uh, that e-sign company or the e-sign documentation and, and DocuSign and all those mm-hmm. kinds of things, we're all moving towards that. Um, we retained our buy recommendation. Have we? We have reduced our from four dollars seventy-five to four dollars okay. fifteen. So a little bit of caution there. Um, you can see that the share price has certainly been hit significantly over the last, and I think that's just because this business is a growth business, and if you come out with some of those numbers which are a little bit subdued and a little bit, uh, so that well, our analysts are saying slightly more expensive cash upfront structure, lacking protection, I think you just got to be a little bit careful mm-hmm. with this one at the moment, but I'm going to stay with our analysts and it's a buy. What about you, Scott Phillips? Nitro Software, there is a big market for the taking. Mm. DocuSign was out with results overnight a share price tanked but revenue was still up oh, i don't have it in front of me but up 40 percent or something like that i mean like these mm. have benefited through the pandemic likely a pullback but are rising interest rates perhaps weighing on on a lot of investors mind when it comes to some of these potentially high growth companies yeah it's a really really tough time for high growth businesses particularly if they had a COVID benefit before and they're not necessarily going to deliver on that whether it's that investors got too excited in the past about the price or just are too despondent that the outlook's not as good as the past was, I don't know. And it will depend by company, of course. But you're not going to get the same growth next year as you got last year for these sorts of businesses. You're just not. Whether they're Zoom, which is down phenomenally, it's up like two-thirds or something from its highs. Um, Nitro, uh, sorry, DocuSign in particular, also the same. And again, it makes sense, right? Are people going to go back to signing a paper? Some will, yes. That, that's, the, that's the reality. Not, not in a secular return, but simply some people did it because they had to. And some will go, well, that was amazing. I'm going to keep doing that. Others will say, I can't wait to get back to the office and physically sign a piece of paper. And I don't know who those people are, by the way. I don't know why they would want that, but it turns out some people do. Um, this is the this is the challenge for Nitro. I like the trend. The challenge, I think, for investors is to work out whether the trend confers enough value to those businesses themselves, or whether, like other trends, it just simply is a change. You know, the internet didn't make a lot of money for the the switch makers and the cable manufacturers. Made a lot of money for those who use the internet for good use. So are these guys going to become the Amazons, if you like, of the internet, of the e-sign story, or are they simply just the conduits through which these things pass? They'll do okay. They kind of, maybe they end up being a dime a dozen. There's a lot of value creation there. And that's the unknown right now. Um, 
Nitro is down at 9% today, by the way, on the back of the capital raising. Mm. Um, a lot of people selling back, I think, the shares that were they bought using the, the rights that were offered. Um, it was a 9% discount. Funnily enough, the shares have fallen 9% today. That's probably no surprise. So it, there is some movement around. It probably makes today's price pretty decent if you like that e-sign business. Uh, I probably can't get quite to a buy. But if I owned it, I'd hold it. I certainly wouldn't be selling right now. The potential upside is really significant. There's just also some risk that it may not come out the way you want. And this may be underwater in a couple of years' time. So a decent range of, of potential opportunities. I like the upside potential. If you're a high-risk investor, if you like a bit of risk, a bit of excitement, maybe you want to buy it, I'd be sticking with hold. Thank you. <clears throat> Next on the list, <clears throat> excuse me, is Premier Investments. Now, Premier this week uh, did hold its AGM, and it also put out a trading update. Uh, in the wake of that, its shares have done quite well, still doing well today, where we've got the brokers weighing in. Morgan's, for example, lifting its price target 5% to $33.60. UBS lifting its price target 6.7% to $32. It's in the retail space, but specialized retail and lockdowns are over. Well, so, P- Peter Alexander would have done well in lockdowns yeah, because yeah, we didn't need to get out of our pajamas. So that certainly would have been one of those ones where it did well. Look, I think this is a fantastic business and always has been a fantastic business. You know, we know the management, uh, know this business inside and out. There are some certain uh, bright spots in the business, obviously uh, one being Smiggle. Well, yeah, I have two small children <laughs> right at that age and Christmas is coming. So there you go, Premier, you're welcome. Yeah, and uh, obviously Peter Alexander, which is just a, an outstanding business mm. as well. Um, uh, Premier, I, I guess, trades on a sort of 14 times PE, which is, I think, you know, fairly good. And even in COVID, it was a 14 and a half. So, like, I think there's value certainly there. And it's obviously going to provide exposure to that reopening and growth as well. So all of that. Early 2022, we're going to have Smiggle performing well with all the opening mm-hmm. of all the schools, getting all of that kind of stuff, albeit it's probably not your essential school stuff. But to get the fancy pencil case or to get that, now you don't think there's much margin in that, but they're across the world now, Smiggle as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, UK, Middle East, those kinds of things. I think overall earnings are, are going to be strong going into the new year. I think uh, these guys know exactly what they're doing. So I'm really comfortable with a buy. I haven't had a sell yet, Nadine. So um, we've got to get onto that soon. But Premier is a buy for me is today. Friday. Friday. Feeling good. There you go. Scott Phillips. Is there enough upside in Premier? I mean, if you look at some of those price targets, $32, it's sitting at $30.64 right now. Is there enough growth still to come in that retail space? Look, I, I love Premier. I, I share Adam's sentiments almost entirely. He's done a fantastic job of outlining the business. Really high quality business, really high quality management. Peter Alexander and Smeagol, no surprise, sell their own branded products. If you're a retailer and the brand owner, there's twice as much margin available to you, and they've done a wonderful job of doing that. It conveys so many benefits. You're not selling someone else's product. You have to worry about their price rises, their stuff coming in and out of fashion. Now, it's more concentrated risk on one hand because if you get it wrong, you've got nothing else to fall back on. You can't grab something else from a different supplier. You're stuck with what you've got. But if you do it well, the upside is really, really attractive. That's why Smiggle and Peter Alexander have done so well. I've certainly spent my share of money in, in Smiggle, uh, not quite recently, but maybe a decade or so ago mm-hmm. with my first young bloke. Um, it, it's, it's definitely been, uh, yeah, it's, it's popular, right? I wonder if this is also a bit of a reopening opportunity, quite frankly, because for the last you know six months or so, the kids that in some of Australia weren't at school, uh, maybe didn't replace the pencil case. They might be pretty keen to go and uh, get something come December or January. I, I like the business. I like the, the, the story. There is enough growth left for uh, to make it worth owning. I think that your point about those price targets, that's about you know, 8, 9, 10% above the current price. Yeah. 
that's a 12 month price target. That's what you expect out of the market. So you kind of you kind of in that market matching kind of mode. Um, and that's probably where I'd sit with with uh, with Premier. Sorry, I love the business. I'm happy to own it. We've, we've recommended it since maybe about six dollars uh, to our members. It's been a really super long term recommendation. So they've done pretty well. It's been a hold for us for a while though because of that price. And I'll probably stick with that for now. At any significant fall from here, you'd happily snap the shares up though. Okay, so watch for any type of a pullback. Uh, let's get to Worley Parsons. This one is for Thomas. Uh, Thomas, I hope you're watching. Just uh, my daily reminder that this is information only, that you know we're not tailoring this to your specific financial circumstances, so you do need to do your own research or get advice. But listen, Worley's has been doing quite well. I mean, today even up by about 2%. It really did detail the pivot to sustainability to markets this week. And look, there has been plenty of talk that it's looking quite positive. So it's moving more towards some of those more environmentally friendly, renewable sort of areas that it can work in. You know, Macquarie is saying that, uh, you know, the outlook is really turning more positive. Uh, for this company. I'll start with you, Scott Phillips, on Worley. In this ESG ripe environment, is this one that you can look to as a bit of a, a future-proof story? You'd want to think so, Nadine. I think where I struggle with Worley is that for all of the bright stories, for all the bright spots, for all the hopes and dreams and aspirations, the earnings story has been pretty dismal over the last decade. Mm -hmm. It's been a slow and steady decline into Mediocrity might be a bit tough, but they've really, really struggled to find growth. This is a business that is just has been doing it tough year after year after year for us the best part of a decade. Now, with any of those businesses, you say, well, cyclical business, contract based, maybe it finds a way to start growing. And that's always potentially true. It's a really hard one to definitively say either it's going to keep going in one direction or the other or it's going to change directions. You just kind of can't know because of the nature of the business that it's in. It's very, very hard, though, to take um, the, the, the hopes that the management aren't doing the wrong thing. They're not, they're not pulling the wall over our eyes. They're saying, look, we're trying to do this and this, these are our plans. Thus far, those plans haven't eventuated to growth. And it's hard to pay what I think is about 17 times earnings um, for a business that's not growing. It's actually been in, in profit decline over, over a decent period of time. So now I'm going to make this one a sell. Uh, again, maybe it turns around, maybe it's all fine. But you've got to look at the numbers and say, hey, if you haven't been able to turn around yet, uh, you'd be a brave person to say this year is the year. I think I don't always extrapolate. You don't always just want to buy the stuff that's growing. Uh, often turnarounds can be great opportunities because they're, they're cheap by definition. But this one doesn't really have enough traction yet. If they did manage to start turning the business around, this is absolutely one worth a second look. Uh, but if I owned it today, I'd sell it and put my money somewhere else. Yeah, it kind of divides the brokers as well. Um, so that's the first sell of this session. Adam? Well, Scotty, if you're thinking about numbers, right, if we're thinking about numbers, I've got some numbers here for you, okay? Excellent. All right. I'll write it down. <laughs> you do. Got a pen? Got the pen out. Okay. We, <laughs> this, is, this is UBS's and this is sort of, uh, it's talking about energy transition, okay? And it's talking about uh, these guys will be a winner in the energy transition. Now, we all talk about inflation and how it's going to become rampant. If, the, if we all try to transition to this green energy, um, you know, inflation is going to go because it's going to cost so much. But anyway, UBS says that we estimate that there's $115 trillion dollars Everyone write that number down. There's a lot of zeros there. $115 trillion to be invested is required to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050. Now, if Wally is, and they're in a transitional stage, so I agree, I think it's a hold for mm -hmm. me, right? I think it's a hold because we need to see proof of that transition. If they are able to do it, Wally aims that 75% of sales is going to come from sustainability projects. It's currently 32%. 
So with a massive spend that we're going to see over the next five or even 10 years, Wallis can then start to transition themselves. And if they can get 75% of those uh, sales coming through, I think you know we could look at this one and certainly look at it as a buy going forward. But I want to see uh, proof of that coming forward. So there's some big numbers in there. And obviously, big numbers will translate into bigger share prices. You have to be a believer of the story. I think Wall has been disappointing the market for many, many years. And it's always been a hard one for us to pick. So that's why I'm saying it's a hold. But I think the future is looking bright for these guys. And I think they're transitioning into the right space from oil and gas engineering into this green space. Okay, so just to push the point a bit, if you believe that it has the potential to leverage that narrative, what do you need to see? You need to see some big contract wins. Correct. And I need to see that share price. It's always, if we can get the chart back up, but that share price has just basically been moving in a sideways direction from sort of nine bucks to $13. And it's just been bouncing around. So basically you need to see, yeah, there you go, from 13, yep. You need to see um, you need to see that higher. You need to see that breaking out of that trend mm-hmm. to move higher, and that's when you get the confidence that the things are moving in the right direction. Okay. So, and just to correct myself, Macquarie's got an outperform. City a buy, UBS a buy, Morgan Stanley just this week, an upgrade to overweight. Ordmanet is hold. Credit Suisse is neutral. So there you go. That's yep. Warley for Thomas. And let's get to the next stock on our list. This one is for Shahana, and this is Breville Group. Now. Shahana said, look, plenty of opportunity in the international expansion, favorable consumer trends and investment in R&D, yeah, investing back into itself. Is it a buy at current levels? So let's talk price, Scott. Give us your a fundamental view on Breville and its growth prospects and then whether or not you'd be willing to, to pay or what you'd be willing to pay for it. Mm. Uh, great question. So Breville has been a really, really impressive grow. If you look at the financials, with the exception of last financial year, sorry, the one before last, uh, where, where it dipped for a bit, it's been the other nine years have been constant, consistent, steady growth. And you really like to see that. It's exactly what you want to see from a business that's got its finger on the pulse and is just executing beautifully. So Breville's a really, really nice, really strong business. Really nothing to dislike about the company at all. Uh, the comment about R&D, absolutely spot on. Of course, it does have a couple of really key categories that if fashions change, kitchen fashion in particular, juices specifically, coffee machines, uh, if and when those things change, it does have a bit of kind of category risk, if you like, or segment risk around those sort of things. If we all stopped juicing our own fruit and went somewhere else for, for you know, brekkie or something else or smoothies came back in, whatever it was, you may see some of that start to wane. But it's very, very hard to dislike the business. And some of those what ifs are worth thinking about, worth being aware of as risks. But I wouldn't say our reasons to not own the shares. The one reason not to own the shares is unfortunately the PE. It's currently trading at 41 times earnings, according to my numbers, I think that's right, 41. Um, That's a lot to pay, even for a moderate grow. You wanna see really, really strong long-term compound growth to pay 41 times earnings for a business. And again, it's one of those companies that if you've done well on it, if you if you like the business, feel like you know it well, I wouldn't say, hey, rush out and sell this thing. But when you think about some of the other businesses we talked about, Premier at 14 times, I think Adam said, um, and Breville at 41 times, and ask yourself over the long term, is Breville that much better a business? Is it going to grow that much faster for that long to somehow make those two potential returns equal? I think it's a, it's a gutsy call, right? Is it possible? Yeah, of course it is under some circumstances, I guess. Uh, is it is it likely? Is it certain? That's a much, much harder one to say yes to. So. I like Breville, the business, doing a great job. It's not their fault. The price is too high. So we've got to separate the share price from the company. And you ask absolutely spot on about the fundamentals versus the price, Nadine. Um, I'd want to pay a price, it's $28.80 now. I'd, really, honestly, I know it feels like a big gap, but under 20 bucks probably to make this a, a, a high probability of 
market beating performance, which is what we're doing if we're looking for buyers. Otherwise, it is a hold or a sell. So we're going to stick with a solid hold on Breville. Thanks, Scott. I'm with Scotty. Yeah, absolutely. It's a hold. Uh, these guys have done very, very well. And I can't say any more than what Scott said. That it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, they do have a key uh, distribution partner in the US called Williams Sonoma. Williams Sonoma? You act like you don't know Williams Sonoma. I've got great <laughs> hair. I'm surprised. But, uh, Talk to your wife. <laughs> really? Yeah, she knows? Yeah, she'll know. Well, they're a key distribution partner in the US. For it's them. a beautiful um, is it? store. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Right. And so they've got a large distribution channel through Amazon, through all of these other areas where they can then use Breville's products, kitchen, food preparation, yeah. those kinds of things to make it potentially look a little bit better. And, and I think that's what Breville's done fantastically. They haven't gone into the Walmarts. They haven't in the US expansion. They haven't gone into the lower socioeconomic um, big box retailers. They've gone into the higher end. Williams-Sonoma uh, businesses to allow that to their brands to be seen as a key or a key product at the higher end. So I think they're doing everything right. The price is probably a little bit too expensive. That's why I'm going to keep it as a hold. Also. Thank you. That's Revel Group, a hold for you, Shahana. So not buy, not at this price. Let's sum up what we've, uh, conclusions we've come to so far. So our stock of the day was uh, CSL, but before we get there, Sort of put the pressure on early on, and I got a buy from both of these guys. Aussie Broadband, ABB for Adam, Adairs for Scott, ADH. All right, CSL is a buy for Adam Dawes. It's a fantastic company, but he's got a bit of a strategy because it will be raising capital. So buy half of what you would like now, perhaps do half later. You do want to see how this all plays out in the next month or so. Uh, for Scott, it's a hold. Let's get to Adore Beauty for Lucille. It is a buy for Scott Phillips. He thinks it's a good opportunity to buy now. The price is down significantly on its listing price, but he does believe that we will start to see things get back to normal. He is a real believer in the business model. He is also a shareholder. And now Adam Dawes also has this as a buy. If you are in it already a hold, but he does see this as a good point in the cycle to get into the company because of the shift to online. So Adore Beauty is going into the portfolio. Nitro Software is the next on the list for Gary. Look, Scott likes the trend, but he questions whether there is enough value in the price. Potential upside is potentially significant, but again, there are some unknowns with these high growth stocks right now in the interest rate environment that we are likely moving into. It's a hold, it's a buy for Adam Dawes. He says, you need to watch it because of those higher interest rates. It's a buy, high risk, with a price target of $4.15. Shaw's has actually brought back their price target. So just keep that in mind, a high risk buy. Premier, it's a hold for Scott Phillips. He likes it, own branded products, all the rest of it. But he wouldn't be buying at these levels. One to watch though for a pullback. Adam would be happy buying it now. Fantastic business. He sees a strong start to calendar 22 with this reopening trade and does see some value there. Worley's, it's a sell for Scott. He doesn't believe that it's going to be able to change itself significantly enough to really take advantage over uh, of this new narrative that it's touting, which is into the renewable space. He just says that the earnings story has been pretty dismal. He's not convinced that they're going to be able to turn it around. Adam is a hold because if you own it, hold it. But you need to wait. You need to see some of these contract wins. You need to see that chart break out before he would put his money on the assumption that it's going to get a piece of the $115 trillion market that's up for energy transition. That brings us to Breville. It's a hold 
for both of my guests. I love the company, love what it's doing, plenty of upside to come, but does the growth potential justify the price? That's the big question, and in Scott's view, no, not now. He would rather buy it under $20. And uh, similar sentiment coming from Adam Dawes from Sean Partners. It's a hold, it's a good business, but you want to get it cheaper. All right, that's what we've learned so far. Let's get to the Osbiz portfolio, thanks to our partner, NabTrade. We've been tracking this since July 1st of last year. You need two thumbs up, which we did get for Adore Beauty to go into the portfolio, and Adore Beauty will remain there if it comes up again and if both of our guests decide to hold it or keep it as a buy it comes out though if it's a sell let's check how we're performing weekly we're down by two and a half percent on the month we're down around 1.4 percent year to date though we're up around six percent so that's from july 1st don't forget it's a financial year we've been tracking it though since the beginning of the fy20 and since then we're up close to 43 so PTB Group was added just yesterday. A top shelf international, Globe, Atlas Arteria, Virtus Health in there. Now we've taken out recently Atomos, Bapcor, Harvey Norman, and Southern Cross Media. You can check it out at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. This is The Call, 10 stocks over the course of an hour with two expert guests. My pleasure to have Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool joining us via Skype and Adam Dawes from Sean Partners, two of the fan favorites. Yes, I know we're treating you pretty well on this Friday. So let's get back to it. Excuse me, Redbubble, RBL for Jackson. Scott, I'll start with you. And Nadine, when you say we're two of the fan favorites, I assume you mean we're their favorite two analysts on the call this afternoon, which is absolutely true. Um, we're going to. Uh, Redbubble, I really like as a business. It is a really out there company that's trying to do a whole lot of things um, really, really well in terms of getting art product. Think about Etsy, if you know Etsy, the business, um, to the consumers, making it easy to connect the potential consumers and the artists or the, the content creators. Um, often think about printed T-shirts, printed mugs, a whole lot more stuff besides, of course. It's in that kind of arty, crafty marketplace space. Now, it's been a really, really checkered run, I have to say. Um, years of losses finally went profitable in the last financial year. Also, sales have been all over the place. And this is a really tough one to analyze the future of because of something that happened about two or so years ago where they effectively just got absolutely blindsided by a change to, of all things, the Google search algorithm. Google changed the way it was returning results and Redbubble's numbers went through the floor. Traffic. It makes it a really, really tough business. It also makes it a riskier proposition than you might otherwise think. The solution, of course, for Redbubble is to grow the brand recognition and the organic arrivals at the site. In other words, rather than typing in, you know, find t-shirt, you type in redbubble.com and you go straight to the website. If they can do that, make that transition, they become a destination site, they become a really trusted, known, preferred brand, that takes all that risk away if they can't, or if the competition simply remains really hot, particularly from search engines, then it remains an existential risk. The company is trading on currently 41 times earnings, exactly like uh, 
um, was it Red Bull we mentioned before. And uh, the, the challenge or the difference, I think, is that Red Bull was a very, very different business. In the last year, they grew sales by 50%, which again, of course, is a COVID benefit. We always have to try and look through that and work out how much is secular, how much is, is just simply about COVID. And we don't really know for sure. But what I like about it is they've created some more value for those customers that hopefully some of whom will hopefully return to the business. So this is a tough one, making a little bit of profit after years of losses, growing sales, but obviously benefited by a one-off. We all hope it's one-off. COVID impact. What does the future look like? I'm going to call this one a cautious buy, Nadine. It is a high growth, high risk proposition. So you have to bear that in mind. But the growth they've achieved, I think most of those online retailers will keep perhaps most of the customers they gain. People who'd never used them before started using them. People who'd used them before mm -hmm. use them a little bit more. That changes behavior. And if that behavior change stays, the future is brighter than the past. And on that basis, with an asterisk that just says, keep it on a short leash, I like Red Bull, I'd say it's a buy. Too hard basket, Adam? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? And as Scotty rightly pointed out, if you know one change to a Google AI thread can destroy a business or Facebook decide not to uh, promote your business in the way that they've done before, it certainly can hurt uh, the, the business going forward. One of the other things is, which means for me that this is a hold is that they've had some copyright infringements um, with some of their products that they've put on. And albeit it's a small threat, um, because they can't really, um, they can't really look at everything product that's put onto their website. And sometimes people might copy something else and, and then there's these infringement mm -hmm. notices. I think Redbubble is well placed to look at that, but it's just one of those other concerns that we might see inside of business. Now, Scotty rightly pointed out, this is a growth style business and 69% of its revenue comes from North America. So look, certainly um, it, it, it's in the right space. Europe only is 13% and Australia and New Zealand is around about 8%. So they're in the major markets, they're mm -hmm. in the, the right market being North America, but uh, revenue for full year 2022 is expected to be around about 497 million. Now, that's not a huge number because this stock is supposed to be a growth stock and it really looks like it's on its knees at the moment around here, around that value. They have said over the, the next five years, they're looking to aim to reach $1.25 billion uh, for revenue in its marketplace. So there's some big numbers to hit. So a couple of issues that I think is probably one that I'd stay clear of just at the moment, some infringement issues, AI performance, those kinds of things. It is a growth story, but I would say hold on that one. Hold if you're in it, avoid if you don't have it for yeah. now. Let's get to the next company on the list for Suzanne, GTN limited so it's global traffic network providing traffic reports to radio stations not just in australia united kingdom canada and brazil so i'm going to go to you on this one scott phillips because when i was looking around <laughs> i could see some writing done by the motley fool over to you <laughs> all right cool thank you very much this is a really fascinating business can i say one of the great things about being a, a professional investor or an amateur investor frankly is the opportunity to look at all these really random different businesses you kind of wouldn't expect would exist and literally providing traffic services in a few different countries that are very, very different. You wouldn't imagine it was its own business, but here we are. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's really cool to see some of these companies that kind of just find a, find a niche and, and exploit it really, really nicely. Now, it's done pretty well. The challenge, of course, of COVID, again, we talked about the benefits of COVID before. The challenges of COVID here are that the advertising revenue that's gone with some of these services really had a tough time during the back half of 2020 and early 2021. We know that from advertising agencies, we know that from media uh, businesses themselves right across the landscape. It's been a really, really tough time to get advertisers and generate enough value out of that. Now, that's hurt the most recent sales and profit result. 
And again, we're kind of confronted with the idea of how do you adjust for that? How do you work out what is normal, what is ongoing, and what is not? They also lost the nine radio business, which didn't help them. So a couple of chinks in the armor in the short term. The question, of course, we have to look forward and try and work out what comes next. Now, if you think about the way that it's currently placed, if you go back a couple of years, it's trading on seven times 2019's profit per share. That's very cheap. And so if it can get back to that sort of level, if it can return to some sort of normality, then it's a really, really cheap stock and one that's definitely worth buying, particularly for the value hands out there, where frankly, in this current market, there's not a lot, not a lot of obvious value uh, for, for, the, for the true value investors. Uh, I'm not one, by the way, but if you're looking for that, this is the sort of business you might be looking reasonably closely at. The nine radio impact is not yet fully fleshed out. And that's probably the bit. Look, the pre-COVID stuff will come back. Advertisers mm -hmm. come back. The competitive market will return for advertising. But the nine radio loss is an open question. I, I'm going to say a cautious buy on this one, Nadine, just because it looks too cheap to ignore. I say regularly when we talk about some of these types of businesses, I can't. I don't have a huge amount of confidence in this one particular company. But if you bought half a dozen or ten businesses with similar characteristics, I'm pretty sure you do well on average. So again, will this one particularly do well? I think it probably will. Turn around sometime or often. Don't turn, as Warren Buffett famously said. So I'd, I'd have a question mark on it. But if you are someone who likes your value stocks, if you are going to build a portfolio that at least has a part of that portfolio dedicated to this stuff that just looks too cheap to ignore, GTN is one to add to that list. Thank you. That's for Suzanne, GTN, by the way. Let's get you to weigh in, Adam. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not presuming that you're overly familiar with the intricacies no. of the company, but if no. you're a value investor, to Scott's point, yeah, so, so look, I'm going to be pretty short and sweet on this one. I don't know a lot about it. So um, I'm going off some research that I've pulled and looked at the share price. Share price isn't really doing much. So that's why I'm very cautious on this one mm -hmm. because it sort of is skidding around the bottom there. But look, I think the, the forecasting does remain challenging into the near term growth of the business. Um, however, the stock remains cheap. And when you're looking at that through the cycle of earnings compared to its sector peers, the market will become more comfortable with what they're doing coming into 2022 and potentially recovery might happen. So I'm going to say uh, if you're not there, don't need to be there. If you are there, hold, because I don't think, uh, you know, with that share price looking like that, I think you could probably, you could still sit there. But look, certainly uh, an interesting business, but really not one for me. Okay, there you go. Next one on the list for Sabir. Hub24, HUB, you know the ticker code. Now got a bit of context. Uh, our viewer says it is a quality company. Multiple years of growth ahead. Already holds a small position. So wondering if with the recent pullback, it is a long-term buy under $30. So you advise clients. Yes. I'm not saying this is advice, but yes. strategically, um, clearly our viewer believes in the growth story going yep. forward and is wondering if um, we should add to his position. Yeah, look, this one is a, is a great business and has come from its infancy and has, has done very, very mm -hmm. well. I'm going to say it's a buy. It's a high risk stock. We've got a price target uh, of around the 36, 36.50 at the moment. So really comfortable uh, with, with the price where it is today. I think that there's um, more consolidation in the sector. Now, in saying that, um, you know, they've already bought um, managed accounts or, or XPL. They've certainly bought, um, um, are they going for premium? Scotty, I don't no, know I don't if you can tell so. me. I think it's somebody else that's going yeah. for premium at the moment. I think it's happened. It has net wealth, maybe? Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there's some more consolidation in the, in the industry. 
And look, they might have to go up the chain. So in other words, potentially looking at like an MLC or, or one of these other bigger platforms out there to do this. But look, certainly Harbour's fantastic technology. Uh, the overview of over the, the business is very, very good. And uh, we use them as well in our business and they are very, very quick to come back to us where some of these other platforms are pretty damn hopeless. So I really like Harbour to buy from me. There you go. And uh, with the question, is it a long-term buy under $30? I mean, today it's down by 1.2%. Scott, trading at $27.52, is it a buy? Hmm. It's a really tough one, isn't it? It's trading at 90 times earnings, which is always a, well, it tells you either one or two things. It's very, very expensive or it's going to grow really, really quickly and justify that PE. And I think they're probably, I, I kind of tend to agree with that. I think it's likely. Um, what I really like about the consolidation, of course, as I mentioned, NetWealth are looking to acquire premium for $800 million. Yeah. As that consolidation happens, class is in the, in the uh, one view was taken out last year. Yeah. I, what, I, what I've worried about with this sector for a very long time is there are a lot of players who all promised the world. And almost by definition, if you added up the values in all of their management presentations, the market was never going to be that big. right? You just couldn't allow for the, the market wouldn't grow that size. What the opportunity of that consolidation, I think, allows for is those couple of remaining players, the survivors, to actually do really, really well, keep growing by finding new ways to delight their customers, as you say, Adam, as having insurance partners, and also just literally taking share off the big guys, the old incumbents who keep a bit of, a, you know, a bit of legacy business, but will increasingly lose it, I think, to these newer platforms that, frankly, are just simply a better fit for purpose. And as you think about that flowing through, I do think this financial platform sector will continue to grow, continue to be much more relevant over time. I like Hub, I like Net Wealth, I like Premium as well. They, they are all good businesses. And as I said, I, before, up until this point, I've really been reluctant to, to dive in because there have been so many players all wanting the same slice of pie effectively with fewer of them. A little bit like in most categories, once you see competition start to settle down, a couple of acquisitions, a few less players, you get a bit of pricing maturity, you get a bit of scale benefit. And I think Hub will benefit from that. So yeah, I, I'm going to, again, like Adam, make it a high risk buy. It's a really high quality business. A lot of the guys here at the Motley Fool do love it. Um, and it's one that will add to the buy list. There you go, Hub24 going in the portfolio. Let's get to the next one on the list. Uh, fist pumps coming from yeah. Adam Dawes, All Nick right. Scally. Let's see if this can inspire a fist pump or two. NCK, this one's for Ben. Hey Ben, hope you're watching or listening. I'm gonna go over to you, Adam yeah. Dawes. Yeah. Cushions, cushions. Well, couches, more couches, kitchen tables, kitchen dining tables. tables. Right. Yeah, I absolutely. don't think cushions when I think Nick Scally. No, you don't? Mm -mm. Anyway, I can talk to my wife, potentially. She might know more about cushions than me. Uh, look, Nick Scarlett. Oh, boy. Cue the emails. <laughs> no offence to anybody out there. No offence. Look, Nick Scarlett, I think, is a fantastic business. It's a buy. Um, it does very, very well. It trades um, in between their results quite sporadically. So, in other words, it doesn't really sort of have a flow. But when they come out with their numbers... Their numbers are always really, really good and the stock rallies really hard. And you can see that through that October period where they did report some fantastic numbers in there as well. Look, one of the things is that obviously uh, navigating through COVID has been a tough one for these guys. And really the current lockdown slash supply chain issues will see some constraints going forward. So we need to be cautious about that. But one of the beautiful things about Nick Scarly is, is that you go in, you try, you sit down, you look at it, and it was open all the way through COVID, mm -hmm. just like Bunnings and everybody else. But you could go in and sit down on these couches and then you say, yeah, I really want that one. And they go, well, that's going to be a six-month wait, right? Because basically they don't make, or well, they keep the inventory yeah. very, very low. And this is how they are able, and this is why we like the business, is to maintain that inventory, keeps it really, really low. But then they are able to build them off-site 
get them shipped over to you. Maybe it's three months, maybe it's longer, but they, their inventory is, is all, of, and retail is all about management of inventory. So these guys, they've got a fantastic order book going into 2022, minus some of those supply chain issues. I think it's still a buy and I really like the story. Bye. Adam, you're so generous today. Well, well everyone's picking good companies. Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, yeah. they are all coming from our viewers. This one's Ben, as I mentioned. Do you concur? Scott is going to ruin the party, Phillips. though, yeah. isn't he? Now you've, now you've set me up. I, I can't disappoint Ben. I can't disappoint Adam. I, I, I'm feeling the pressure here, Sam. <laughs> hey, um, so I, Adam is exactly right. It, it's really like quality businesses are really hard to find, like really good quality businesses. Adam has done a great job outlining their sales success and the, just the, the operational excellence of that business. Relatively low capital requirements. Everything, as, as he says, made off-site, made to order. That's a wonderful business if you can get it. And Nick Scully has been able to develop and deliver a business model that is just a wonderful, wonderful company. So there's that. That's a really hard thing to, to go past. By the same token, they've grown really quickly as well. So combine those two together, a fast-growing company with great operational uh, structure, and you're in a really, really good place. The really hard part for Nick Scarley, and I'm glad I mentioned COVID first this time around because I mentioned I think two or three times already today and um, I was getting sick of saying it, but that is the key question, right? Because they're trading at 14 odd times earnings based on my numbers. The problem is that the profit's doubled in the last couple of years. So if that stays at that level, it looks really cheap. If we said, well, you can now buy it at 28 times earnings because profits go back to some sort of pre-COVID low or pre-COVID high as it was, but you know what I mean? They fall back to a pre-COVID level. And you think, well, now is it really that, that valuable? Is it, is, it, you know, is it really worth buying at that price? And that's the really, really hard part because COVID, you know, if you, if you shop a little bit more, a little bit less during COVID for consumables, for food or for clothing that just wears out, goes away, whatever, you do that once, right? If you replace the TV, you're probably going to do that just the once because you're not going to need a second TV 12 months later. The furniture question for me is exactly that. For those who said, well, I can't go overseas and I can't go interstate and I can't go skiing, uh, I guess I'll spend the money on the house and have done. Are they going to replace the couches in 12 months time or 18 months time? I don't think so. And so that's the real watch out for me. Again, Nick said the right thing, they took the business, it was there, they took it, they made some money for shareholders, exactly what they should do. And if it declines from here, well, that's not their fault, they're just running their business, right? And the consumers don't turn up because they've got a, a brand new house full of furniture, then fantastic. But that 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 really does impact on the sales level and the profit level of profitability. And I just, I can't bring myself to to put a buy on this one. I wouldn't get rid of it if I held it. You've probably done really, really well. You've, you've made a lot of money, congratulations, and, and I wouldn't run away from that at all. But I can't, I, I'm just not confident enough that, that sales will continue at that elevated level because of those reasons I said, once you've, once you've replaced everything once, you might do it in three years, four years, five years, seven years, you're probably not gonna do it next year. Uh, and I just, again, hopefully I'm wrong for those, for those holders, and those buyers, um, but I've, I've gotta make this one a hold. I just, I, I'm not sure enough that that level of profitability is sustainable. So why not sell it then? I think you'd, look, you'd be tempted to. I think the difference is that I don't think it's going to be that they've so it's about structural versus cyclical growth. I think some of it is or not cyclical in this case, but that kind of a one off, you know, uh, COVID growth. Some of it is cyclical and some of it is structural. I, they are absolutely a great retail. They've been growing for years without the need for a, a COVID bump, right? They've just been more yeah. relevant to more people. They've done a great job attracting customers. That bit's going to continue. So I don't think they're going to fall back to 2019 levels and be on 28 times that level of profitability. Maybe they're somewhere between, I don't know, 17 and 22, something like that. At the bottom end of that, it's probably still worth buying. At the top end of that, yeah, you probably start selling it. I think yeah. that, that's the reason, Nadine, is that the, the range of outcomes is so uncertain. I wouldn't be jumping into it. It's not so obviously cheap that you want to buy it right now. Um, but given that range of outcomes, given the quality of the business, if they did exceed my expectations, I would not be surprised in the slightest. Okay. Uh, and I wouldn't want to be selling it before I knew for sure.
Thank you. All right, let's get on to the lucky last on the list on this Friday. This one is for Luca. Luca is asking about Helios. HLS is the ticker code. Adam Dawes, I'll go mm. with you. Look, it's been an outperformer over the year. I think it's up close to 28%. It has, though, been coming under a bit of pressure recently over the past month, yeah. down by about 7%. Yeah. So, therefore, is it a buying opportunity? Well, I mean, uh, well, I'll get the COVID one out of the way, Scotty, yeah, there because uh, there it is. We had <laughs> it. Uh, but the COVID nineteen <laughs> testing tailwinds, yeah. and and like yeah. you know, it, we're going to be testing for a while. Well, as we will, learned. correct. Uh, and and I think you know the government's been paying for a lot of these testings, and if it does then move to potentially paying for it or, or making the individual pay for it, potentially then Helios has a really great uplift as well. Um, the, yeah, so f for me, I think that the market has just gotten a little bit tired of that story of, uh, okay, well, COVID and, and what's happening. But look, certainly uh, pathology benefits grew by 28% uh, and their, their COVID testing revenue was up sort of 266 million in September, which is 16% higher than the previous month. So certainly looking in the, you know, moving in the right direction. Look, I think this one uh, certainly uh, remains quite well. They can certainly got some really good operating margins. The deployment of capital looks pretty good, but I'm going to stay with a hold. It doesn't really excite me, and that chart needs to break out. Yeah, look, it's in that sort of that top end range. I think that chart needs to break out before I'd start to look at it again. So it's a hold. Scott, are the big gains for Helios uh, from this COVID bump behind it? Buy, hold, sell. Yeah, if you look at so here's the purse here's the per share sales numbers of the past five years. It was three dollars eighteen, then three dollars thirty three, so a nice jump. Then two dollars ninety seven, then two fifty four, then three dollars and seven. So they're roughly where they started. Where started started five years ago, where they were back in twenty seventeen financial year, twenty sixteen financial year, um, with that COVID bump. And if you can't find some sort of pre-COVID growth and or identify specifically why they're not going to lose that business after COVID, as Adam's hardly pointed out, it's a tough one. And I'll preempt your question, Dean, why not a sell? I'm going for a hold, by the way. Why not a sell? Because it's 13 times earnings of a 4.3% fully ranked dividend yield. And, and they may not be entirely sustainable, but it's a pretty good starting point for an investor who wants a, a cornerstone-ish position in your portfolio. If you're looking for something that's not a, a big bank, but it's also not a high-flying hub 24 at 90 times earnings, um, I could absolutely understand people saying, you know what, this is a really stable, sustainable business at a decent price with a good dividend yield. You know, if I owned it, would I keep it? Look, me, actually, I wouldn't. I, I would absolutely sell Helios. There are better ideas out there. Um, but if you're looking for this sort of business in your portfolio, and with most people having, you know, 50, 60, 70 cents in the banks, I'd be happily taking some of that out and putting it somewhere else. I really couldn't complain if someone said, look, it's 13 times earnings. It's 4.3% dividend. Why, why would I sell it? I, I mean, I can make the case, but I, I couldn't equally disagree strongly with that decision. So um, too cheap to sell for mine, probably uh, not operationally excellent enough, at least over the last five or six years. Um, in fact, if you go right to 2014, they did $3 a share in sales, now $3.07, nine years later. You're not getting any growth at all. 13 times earnings is probably appropriate, uh, but that's a pretty middling result and a pretty middling investment opportunity at the current price. Well, I think the consensus view on that one is that it's just not very exciting. Yes, All right, Luca, exactly. there you go. Let me run through quickly what we've learned. Redbubble is a cautious buy, high risk for Scott Phillips at The Motley Fool. It's an avoid for... Uh, for Adam Dawes because there's just a lot of overhang over it, you know, even if you talk about copyrights and everything else. Too hard basket for him. GTN, we've got a cautious buy on the global traffic network coming from Scott Phillips. It's so cheap. 
It's got a few chinks in its armor with losing a nine deal, but if you're a value investor, it almost looks too cheap to ignore. Not so for Adam Dawes, doesn't really know the company, doesn't really think that it is a worthwhile place to put your money. There are other ways that you could invest better. Hub 24, it's a high risk buy for Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool. Does it justify the PE is I guess, you know, the, the one thing that's sort of putting it in that high risk category. It's a solid buy from Adam Dawes and uh, even at the current price. So we've got a, another company that's going into the portfolio. Nick Scally, hold for Scott Phillips, buy for Adam Dawes. Helios, you just told us, uh, heard us, I should say, not exciting enough for either one of my expert guests. That brings us to the end of the program. Very big thanks to you, Scotty. Now I know, Scotty Phillips from The Motley Fool. I usually just call you day. Scott, but Adam started something new. There you go. Have oh, a great Friday. Day, Thank you. We'll speak you with too, you guys. soon. And of course, Adam Dawes. Thank you. Uh, it's hard to shorten Adam, isn't it? No, What's well, your nickname amongst your friends? Dawsey. Dawsey, of course. All right, Dawsey, yeah. thanks for coming in. You're Have welcome. a good Friday. Thank Enjoy you. the weekend. And thank you for watching, of course. If you would like us to answer a question for you, feel free to tweet to us, TV, or you can email us, the call at ausbiz.com.au. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.